0: I met my best friend, Anne, in 1985. And the Babysitter's
1: Club kept her friendship alive. Then Emily was born in 1988, and she said, Thanks, Aunt Esme, these books are great. Now, now we're all grown
2: In Stony Brook. Welcome to Stuck in Stony Brook, a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. Today we're discussing Book 38, Christie's
1: Mystery Admirer. I'm so excited. Can you guys <laughs> guess what my one sentence one sentence summary is?
0: Is it the same as your summary of uh, Christie and the Walking Disaster?
1: It is related.
0: Yep, go for it. Why don't you go first?
1: My one sentence summary is... Bart is still hot. There <laughs> <laughs> ah, enough.
0: It's true. It's true. That's um similar to mine. Bart continues his reign as best boy in Stony Brook, while Cokie Mason is as one dimensional as ever.
2: Mm. Yes, this is very good. Esme always has the most descriptive and informative summaries, I feel. Yeah, well, thank you. The, mm. I feel like that was to be expected. Yeah, I didn't say the best. I just said <laughs> I <know>. informative. <laughs> but, you know, uh,
0: descriptive and informative are compliments to me, so that's fine. Okay. <laughs>
2: What's your uh plan? Mine is just Christy is not very good at solving her secret admirer mystery. Nice. Also
0: true. Also yeah. true.
2: I thought it was going to be like a double twist. I was telling Emily how I thought, oh. like, Anna Martin was leading us in one direction and then mm-hmm. that's too obvious and then there's going to be like a secret plot twist at the end, but Mm-hmm. There wasn't that would no.
1: that would have been good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, just cokey again. Wait, you guys, we should probably back up and tell you about the members of the podcast. I'm Emily Crandall, a feminist scholar. I'm a total individual, and I like health food.
0: I'm Esme Schaller, an adolescent psychologist. I'm kind of bossy, but I have a big heart.
1: And I'm Anna Chakala, a freelance writer.
2: I'm a mischievous fragment with a sweet tooth. If you want to learn more about us and how we know each other, check out our prologue episode. Also, rate and review us. It really helps people find the podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, or commentary about anything BSC-related, drop us a line at stuckinstonybrook at gmail.com. Also, we have this little thing called a Patreon. Have you have you guys heard about this? I, I
0: have, but I'd love to hear you tell me about it.
2: I feel like this is a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's where listeners can support their favorite creators, perhaps someone like us. Oh. Oh, right? You can go to patreoncom book to donate to our humble podcast, and at every donation level, you're guaranteed extra content exclusively for our patrons about BSC, BSC adjacent, and non-BSC stuff. So we're kind of going freestyle,
0: totally freestyle. If you want more, just Anne, Emily, Esme, craziness. Sign up. Emily raised an eyebrow to that. Maybe she won't be getting crazy, but Anne and I, it's going to be wacky. Anyway, another extra benefit of being a patron we are going to prioritize your BSC Big Five. So if you've sent in your information for a BSC Big Five personality analysis from us and you're still anxiously waiting for us to get to it, we are now combing through our back catalog and getting to our patrons first. So we still have about 20 people waiting for the BSC Big Five. Since we don't do one every single episode, it's going to take us a little time to get through. But today we have um, one of our first
2: 20 patrons, Kelly. So Okay, so let's let's find out more about Kelly. This is me as Kelly. I'm so when I say I, it's not me. Okay, so
0: this is Anne Anne doing a dramatic reading as Kelly. Yes,
2: I was always an okay student. I excelled at creative subjects, foreign language, and English, and was just okay with science and social studies. Completely abysmal with math. However, I always liked school for the most part, even though some things were frustrating. Now I'm a teacher, English, and sewing, and I design the costumes for a ski musical every year. So I've technically never really left school. Awesome. Um, That's pretty cool. cool. Um, Middle school was the worst because I was shy and awkward. I didn't really follow or lead. I was just kind of there.
0: That's a good description of like 85% of the people in middle school. I was kind of just there. I love that.
2: Um, she goes on to say, I was terrified of getting in trouble, so I never found myself in a situation of my peers making me do something I shouldn't. Though I was quiet and shy, I had stubborn convictions and kind of did my own thing. However, I could also be a leader in the right group setting. For example, I was, I was the oldest cousin, so I bossed the younger kids my family around a lot. In high school, I loved my shell a bit, made better friends, and my leadership came out more and more. To this day, I think this is still mostly true. Intent to just be there, but a leader in situations I am comfortable with when I think a job isn't getting done to its fullest capacity. I'm getting strong Dawn vibes already. Just saying.
1: Yeah. Continue. I've always loved dresses
2: and being fancy, but he wouldn't know it from how I dressed in middle school. I dressed up for picture days and the first day of school always had a special outfit, but mostly wore jeans and t-shirts. Today, I put way more thought into what I wear and prefer what would be considered stereotypical feminine clothes. I make most of my own dresses and some other items of clothing. Not super into current trends. I prefer a retro, think Mad Men, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel flair to what I wear, but I also don't like it to look like a 50s costume. I can't remember the exact date of my first period, but it was sometime after my birthday that year, but before the end of sixth grade, so I was 12. Okay. I didn't have anything close to relationships, serious or otherwise, until I was 17. I was way too shy, often cripplingly so. My first boyfriend and I were just friends for ages before we were a couple. And even then, he had to be one the one to finally confess feelings first. We were together for a long time in high school relationship years, four and a half. Wait, that's like past high school.
0: Yeah, I think she, she just means like first relationship time. That's
2: very long. That's very yeah. long. I still do things like this and as a result, have had more unrequited loves than one really should. And I'm not interested in short-term relationships. Totally fair. Mm -hmm. Hobbies. I can't say my hobbies have changed much since middle school. I loved writing and wanted to publish a book, but as an adult, that's not a goal anymore. I still keep journals, but don't really write stories. I prefer sewing and costume design as a creative outlet now. I was a binge watcher before it was a thing, taking episodes of all the shows I liked and watching them all the time. Other things that haven't changed. I'm a huge theater nerd and a big reader. I'm seeing a lot of different BSC
1: members.
0: In this I know. One. Emily's like on it, though. You, you were like raising your finger, like lots of ideas.
1: Well, I'm getting for middle school, a lot of Mallory. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering, like, shy. We always like default Marianne for shy. But she's talked about being mm-hmm. shy specifically in romantic relationships, not in friendships and so i'm trying to figure out who that what babysitter that is i mean i think you know
0: marianne does not like go after logan like i think like t- you know i know logan's terrible but i think it takes a lot of logan i i don't know i think if logan hadn't pursued marianne would they have gotten together no i don't think so so i don't think that rules out a marianne okay situation. And I don't think we have enough about the others in relationships yet. Um,
1: Yeah, that's true. I guess I was just thinking about the until I was 17 thing. Yeah. But
0: that to me strikes as luck of the draw. Right. Logan happens to, you know, take a shine to Marianne. But that could have happened to Kelly, too. That's true. You're better off, Kelly, that you didn't meet a Logan. But um, sounds like that first relationship at 17 was much better than what we've seen so far of Marianne and Logan I'm also what do you guys think about the costume design like that's definitely in the Claudia Mm -hmm. realm but yeah it's also got some Jesse oh Mm -hmm. interesting I think that we've often differentiated like Claudia I mean obviously Claudia's fashion but we've often talked about like performance versus sort of craft and visual art for the kind of Jesse Claudia dynamic, but I think being a theater nerd and being invested in the kind of performative piece,
1: yeah, it reads Jesse a little
0: bit of Jesse. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get,
1: yeah. I get that. That makes sense to me. I'm not seeing much Christy, mm-hmm.
0: and or I'm Stacey. not seeing
1: much Stacy. Yeah, but I think like a pretty even smattering of the others. Although yeah. I do, I do have strong. I had strong Dawn vibes at the start.
0: Yeah, tell to justify your strong Dawn vibes. Is it just that you like Kelly?
1: No, I hate Dawn, first of all. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry, Kelly, I don't hate you. I was just over-exaggerating my latest frustrations with Dawn. Uh, I feel like the can lead in situations when I'm comfortable or when I think I need to, but I'm also comfortable not, right? Kind of just Mm -hmm. being there. I think that's Mm -hmm. a kind of Dawn thing, right? Like Dawn doesn't lead because she's like, because leading is the most comfortable thing. She leads when it's for mm-hmm. a, re- a reason, which I feel like tracks mm-hmm. with the way that Kelly's describing her, like, th- there-ness. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't that's
0: know. true. I think that's also a bit of a Marianne thing,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? So in terms of when Marianne stands up for herself and when she needs to
2: kind of take charge of a situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. She says she was terrified of getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. Like I wonder. That's like, Marianne. Yeah, that's right, Marianne. But she, so she's like, she never found herself in situations with her peers making her do something that she shouldn't. Uh, what? What's your question? No, I just, I, I never. I guess I never had that fear of like,
1: oh, I should being be... peer pressured.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, don't, I wouldn't say I was very confident as a middle mm-hmm. schooler, but I definitely was never worried about like being. Like influence to do something so does it yeah. does this mean that she was like maybe a little bit impressionable? um no, I think it I think it
0: to me, it read that she has a really clear moral compass, and so you know wouldn't have found herself in that situation because like friends rejecting you was not as bad as breaking a rule and getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. so it just wouldn't occur to her to be in that situation. That's kind of how I read it,
1: yeah, I agree okay. Who's and that?
0: And period is around. Tw- yeah, I don't know who, who who doesn't like to get in trouble. I mean, none of I them.
1: Guess them. That, I guess that's Marianne again.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm getting strong Marianne vibes. Yeah. Uh, Marianne also loves glamour, right? That's true. She loves old Manhattan. I feel like Mad Men and Mrs. Maisel's right up Marianne's alley. She likes to dress kind of feminine.
1: All right. We got a okay. strong Marianne.
0: So we got a Marianne lead, um, mm-hmm. followed closely followed closely by claudia and jesse and mal or do you think dawn is stronger than those
1: i don't know i guess maybe the claudia jesse mal as a like combo representative of her artistic stuff outweighs Mm -hmm. the the dawnness of having stubborn convictions but
0: yeah that's how i'm reading it i almost think like marianne like 70 Mm -hmm. and then art is mal a little higher than then Jesse and Claudia?
1: I think so. Yeah. Or it's like a yeah. mal uh at in youth like transformed to a Jesse Claudia in adulthood. Oh,
0: yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. So they're both they're both there. Mm-hmm. So are they all equal then? I think so. What do you think? What's a, what's a number for those three?
1: 57. Okay. <laughs>
0: 70 Marianne, 57 each, Claude, Jesse, and Mal. What, like 30 Dawn? Yeah. Okay. And then are we saying zero Stacy, zero Christy?
1: I'm not getting much of either, frankly. Yeah, definitely yeah. no Christy.
0: She's abysmal at math.
1: Yeah, no Stacey, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. And
0: it seems like her fashion stuff is more creative. It's more Claudia than Stacey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, she's definitely not wanting to be, like, up on trends. All right, fantastic, Kelly. Thanks for playing. Yeah. 70 Marianne, 57, Mal, Jess, Claude. Thirty Dawn, zero Stacy, zero Christy. Yeah.
2: Do we think when people get their BSC Big Five, it like changes their lives?
1: No, oh,
2: not even a little bit.
1: Like, like yes, but like I in a, a bad way. way? <laughs> you mean make some question? All are we causing yeah. identity crises in people? <laughs> I yes. hope not.
0: I sure hope not. Let us know anyone if that's happened for you. But so far so good. I think. Man, and now you've really made us double double think about our the the power that this parlor trick may have
2: i just i'm thinking like what if i was a listener who sent in my VSC big five and someone said i was like oh you're like a you're like a 99 mallory zero zero
1: (laughs) (laughs) i mean turns out you're really stacy oh yeah i'm asian i'm asian stacy asian
0: stacy yeah (laughs) practically and um emily what's in this book
1: well aside from bart being hot should we talk about the plot a little bit? None of my things for today I have anything to do with the plot. So Okay.
0: We should probably talk about the plot a little bit.
1: Um, the plot of this book is that Christy has a secret admirer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh but there's also a lot of like Crusher's Bashers gameplay mm-hmm. happening. So all the babysitters babysitting chapters kind of revolve around the various other babysitters, you know, taking kids to and from practices and matches and um halloween is pending Mm -hmm. and so christy and bart are like you know flirting a lot and they Mm -hmm. kind of in in flirt competition decide to hold like a world series Mm -hmm. and then christy's getting these which is really just one game (laughs) yeah but that was a point of contention which contributed to the central drama of the of the novel Mm as me um sorry so <laughs> so christy's getting these notes and at first um i also really like in this book that we get shannon kind of interacting with the girls all of them mm-hmm. and like the kind of introduction of christy's other friend to the friend group and i thought that was all really sweet as a person who had friends at different schools growing up i like mm-hmm. i really appreciated that
0: and <laughs> just rolled her eyes like emily was so popular <laughs>
1: No, my parents were divorced. <laughs> so I had friends from my old school, but pre-divorce and friends from my post-divorce school. And. <laughs> okay. Well, that's two schools. You made it sound like seven. I just said other schools. <laughs> okay. Whatever. Anyway. Um, so the notes are, first are sweet and Shannon's like, oh, I think it's Bart. And all the girls are like, it's Bart. And Christy's like, no, it's Sam playing a prank on me. And then the notes get weird. Right around mm-hmm. the time that the drama and the conflict around the world series develops. So then Christy's uh-huh. like, ah, crap. What if it is Bart? And what if Bart's a psycho? Uh-huh. Which, by the way, I was talking to Matt about the plot of this book today. And I've never seen the movie Halloween. Have you guys?
0: Why would I ever watch that movie? Yeah, I, don't I don't know. I don't
2: like scary movies.
1: Me yeah. neither. So did you know yeah. that the premise of that film is someone escaped from an uh, asylum, obviously, but he tar- he's targeting babysitters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I didn't I know, did that. know that. I knew that
0: because our uh, friend of the podcast, History Happy Hour, talked about it in um, her babysitters babysitting uh, lecture that I went to.
1: Oh, right. That day I was yeah. teaching, so yes, um, could not be there. <laughs> well, I thought that was interesting, and we ha- see the appearance yeah. again of the. The mm-hmm. psycho in the woods, who's oh, the there's So much
0: psycho talk in yeah. this book. I'll get to it when we get to tallies, but holy moly!
1: Yeah. Anyway, um, so the only kind of like really, really vague, uh, like socio-political things in here were, or like gender things, um, mm-hmm. was that Christy again? This happened in the super special, whatever super special they go to camp. Christy mm-hmm. spends a lot of time talking about people's appearances in this book, like a lot mm-hmm. and like yeah. pretty judgely, but or like mm-hmm. according to really, really stereotypic um, beauty standards, mm-hmm. which I thought was just kind of weird.
0: Well, before we move away from that, she specifically talks about Shannon. I was going to ask Anne about this, um, but let me just find the because she's describing Shannon as like. What does she say? Like striking or she says interesting. Um,
2: yeah. Interesting. Interesting.
0: Looking. Yeah. And I like it was very interesting to me. Well done. It's page
2: 35. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Um, I once heard someone say that being called interesting is practically a curse. It's the word people use when they say they don't want to say someone's ugly. But I don't agree, at least not in Shannon's case. She really is interesting looking. She has high cheekbones like that actress Meryl Streep and wide eyes. Her lashes are very pale, but she's allowed to use makeup. So she puts on black mascara every morning. And she has a ski jump nose that kind, the kind that's almost too cute. And I like, it's like very, so I thought two different things. One, I was like, is she just like, is she thinking about like a young Mariel Hemingway or like another one of those, like, I mean, she mentions Meryl Streep, like these actresses that have like a striking look, and then I also it just it struck me as like some potentially some like gay coding, like know, knowing the the world, the, the way the Internet wants Christy to, you know, if this was written now, Christy might be an out character and knowing about Anna Martin's queerness, like it just it, it strikes me as more descriptive and more focused um, on appearance of like a, a friend girl, you know, than than the others sort of do. Like, Mm -hmm. and maybe we'll see more, um, appearance descriptors as the books develop, but it was like, that's like a whole paragraph about how interesting Shannon is.
1: Mm -hmm. And she spends a lot of time talking about the girls' appearances in general, even though it's something we get, Mm -hmm. you know, in every book, a little bit of, I feel like Christy in the more recent, most recent books spends a lot of time on this stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. I, that's an so, interesting read too yeah. given the dynamic between shannon and christy when shannon's trying to like get christy christy ready for the dance
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah i like that
0: and i know there's
1: fanfic out there
0: where
2: shannon and christy end up together mm-hmm. so hmm. i didn't i guess i didn't think anything like that i i guess mm-hmm. i thought of it more as a practical storytelling tool because like we don't get mm-hmm. a lot of shannon and we know how everyone mm-hmm. else looks like right. so this is like right. the moment to like this is what shannon looks like yeah
0: um, and always brings us back to what readers have to actually do like, <laughs> I mean, like what writers have to actually do to like tell us to like you're right okay fine we don't know shannon very well but, yeah, you blah, know, but,
1: blah
2: you know it's funny as you were reading that passage describing shannon's like how she looks i was like trying to picture it in my head and what came into my head was like the, that like generic picture of an alien What
0: <laughs> with her wide eyes and her little ski jump nose and high
1: cheekbones, <laughs> like a schwa. <laughs> I I so the next thing I was going to talk about it comes up in the paragraph where she describes Dawn. But even in this one, she gives over like three, one, two, three, four, five, like six, seven sentences to Dawn's appearance, which feels like mm-hmm. a lot.
2: Uh mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Agreed. Well let's read some of it. Distant. Well she, Oh yeah. This She says distant. Dawn is gorgeous. She has long silky blonde hair. Honest. It's so blonde, it's nearly white. She has sparkling blue eyes and she dresses like the individual she is. Oh. I mean, it sounds like she has a hots for Dawn now. That's what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. Like, That's but, what I'm saying. Yeah. Can we move on from this? Or do yes. we want to? Yeah. Okay. So The other thing in this uh, paragraph that's just incorrect is that (laughs) she says individualist, which does not mean the same thing as individual. In fact, means something wildly different. (laughs) So I'm like, do you think that Anna Martin just made an error there? Or are we, is this supposed to be like Christie's error? Like, As a, as a 13 year old who doesn't know the difference between individualism and being an individual, um, in the way that they use it in the, in the books, right? Like individual means like, you know, do your own thing, blah, blah, blah. Not like committed to the doctrine of individualism, you know, or the personal responsibility ethic or like private property (laughs) in our own person.
0: I, I think that's what she meant damn i think don is a rugged individualist
1: don's a um, don's a libertarian <laughs> yeah don's
0: andrew yang um, she's a, she's I, a libertarian
1: <laughs> who stands up for what she believes in even if no one else believes in it damn <laughs> <laughs> shit <laughs> um that's really funny
0: i don't think that any eight-year-old on the planet knows the difference between an individual and an individualist and I, my guess is it's just a copy editing error You're well that's what i was wondering
1: uh, but i'm like does Anne and martin know the difference like come on she should yeah it's weird because like this was probably read
2: over several times yeah by many by many people
1: um yeah and this one's not ghost written mm-hmm. so so this is not um this is just a small aside. Jesse makes a joke. Mhm. Did you notice? Yes. For like the not first notice. time in many books. Right, in like 20 books. Yeah. It's on page 15. Nope. I wrote that down wrong. Oh, I found it. It's on page 29. Okay. Okay, um so they're ta- they're um Stacy's looking pained giving over money uh for things that people need to to replace in their kid kits and um don says i need some stuff for my kid kit magic markers have dried up uh and someone i'm not sure who but i'm betting on jenny prezioso scribbled on every page of a new coloring book barbie's head fell off reported jesse i need a new barbie doll everyone (laughs) laughed we knew she was just kidding
0: i like to picture that like super dry oh yeah like she's just like
1: well barbie's head fell off off. i need a new barbie yeah i just i thought that was so funny yeah um good okay so my major fun thing for this book is that on page 75 uh when christy is convinced that there's a psycho on the loose she turns on the radio Mm -hmm. and instead of encountering news Um, that a psycho has been loosed from the asylum, she turns it on just in time for the news, where she hears about the president's press conference, a plane crash, a kid who was raising money to help fight drug abuse by running all the way from Connecticut to New York, and the sports and weather reports. Okay, so um, the president's press conference. I did some research. (laughs) So the president in October of 1990 was George H.W. Bush, as you both know. I assume. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I so know that. I'm trying to figure out what press conference it would have been that he would have been that Christy would have heard reporting on. So I pulled up a couple different lists. He did a lot of HW did a lot of talking and praising of German reunification in October of 1990. Like a lot. So there's like um, he gave like a press conference about it on like October 1st or October 10th. And then there was like mm-hmm. a like a party uh, or he did a, a presidential message to the German people <laughs> congratulating them on the unification of their country on October 3rd. Um, and then on like the 31st, there was like some like event celebratory event that was held at the white house that he spoke on again. Um, it was like a ceremony. Mm-hmm. He also addressed the UN general assembly several times in like mid October. Uh, primarily talking about emphasizing the need for a stronger UN in the post-Cold War era, and highlighting mm. the importance of free elections and action against Iraq, which is kind of interesting given like the United States retreat from any kind of participation in collective global governance at all in the decades since. Yeah, um, and, that's really
0: fascinating. And like
1: the retreat from free elections. <laughs>
0: right (laughs) yeah i don't think they've to that directly but that's really fascinating because they've been painting the un as like some kind of fascist organization Mm -hmm. recently so it's actually quite it's you know it well this always happens right that the historical republicans look a lot better in light of the more recent republicans um namely this guy's son and you know 45 but um that's really fascinating. Yeah. He's like super pro UN.
1: That's cool. He actually. also, um, on October twenty-sixth transmitted the second annual US long-term agricultural trade goals and strategy report in a message to Congress. Uh he, but that's not
0: a press conference, right?
1: No, but I'm wondering like whether so it's a report about a press conference. It's not an actual press conference that she hears. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering like what whether that's like another kid not knowing what she's listening to thing or whether it was really like a a formal press conference I also Mm -hmm. didn't do um the due diligence of figuring out exactly what day in the lead up to Halloween she would have been listening to the radio so these are all like in later October kind of ballparks
0: right because well also they say that Halloween is a Sunday was that even true in October of 1990
1: I don't know I didn't look it up because
0: who knows if Halloween was even a Sunday
1: on October 25th he uh Answered questions from reporters in the Rose Garden about the congressional handling of the federal budget crisis.
0: Halloween was a Wednesday in 1990.
1: He also (laughs) attended a campaign rally for the California gubernatorial candidate, Pete Wilson, in L.A. in October 26th. Yeah. He reported on the Panama emergency to Congress on October 27th. Um, Emily, you spent a long
0: time on this. (laughs)
1: I really didn't. <laughs> okay. I spent fifteen minutes on it.
0: <laughs> okay. So, what's your what's your best guess? What do you think it was?
1: What do you? Oh, going oh, with? oh, oh. the The thing that I think is probably most likely is that um, he delivered a well, but this is on October thirtieth, though, so I don't know. It depends on the timeline. Well, ugh, whatever. We're in the time warp. So, on October thirtieth, he delivered a a Rose Garden address congratulating the Cincinnati Reds for winning the World Series. Which I feel like if that would have been that, Christy would have been like, oh, it's basically She would have mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: She would have mentioned information about the winners of the World Series. Yeah.
1: Weirdly, related to all of our uh, conversations about indigenous erasure in Stony Brook, Connecticut, on the 30th, he also signed to reauthorize the Tribally Controlled Community College Assistance Act and the Navajo Community College Act into law. Oh, to kind of like man recognize not
0: hating on George H W in October of nineteen ninety. Well, I mean, I there are,
1: are plenty of things to hate about. I know, H. but H. I'm saying <laughs>
0: just this little this little period of time. He's doing some things that we like. That's all.
1: So, in addition to um, speaking about German reunification and holding like a celebration on the thirty first, he also answered questions from reporters on the Persian Gulf crisis and like mm. about the future of U S sanctions in in the region. I like to think it was about German reunification. What do you guys think? I think it's about baseball. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> uh, I I I'll I'm with you. I'll say it's um, German reunification. Did he call himself a donut in that speech to continue traditions of other U.S. presidents?
1: Frankly, I did not watch it. Okay, but I did yeah. find a video. <laughs> <laughs> Just chose not to watch it. Yeah, I... <laughs> maybe you
0: can drop in a little bit of uh, H.W.'s German unification press conference at the end of the podcast after the
1: credits. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we have the rights to that, but I'll do some research. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Come for us, H.W. Bush. I'm sure he's all all up and stuck in second Stony Brook. Like,
1: OK, <laughs> maybe he will join our
0: Patreon. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> I want to talk about Koki Mason because she is evading my attempts at uh, being a psychologist. I don't understand her motivation. I don't like Anna Martin. I think in general is quite good at character development, even for characters that we don't see a lot of, um, that are just there for one book. You know, who are like a you know very like I feel like we there were problems with it, of course, but we certainly got to know Susan Felder and we got to know the Felder parents and we got but I feel like I don't understand Koki Mason. I also find it weird that she is, like, somehow she shows up at Halloween. You know, our last Cokie Mason plot was um, Marianne's bad luck mystery, right? With the, like, mustard seed necklace and the confrontation in the graveyard. We haven't seen her since then, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that it's just a pretense for, like, pranks and spooking people.
0: Right. But, like. You know, we don't just leave it at that on this on this show. We ask the hard question. It's the anniversary of
1: her humiliation, Esme. She has to commemorate it by retaliating.
0: And then the rest. So like the whole year, she's just like nursing this wound from eighth grade Halloween one so that she can come back for eighth grade Halloween two and, you know, stick it to Christy. Christy's not the main person that humiliated her. It was about Logan and Marianne. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea and she clearly wasn't plotting cuz the only way she was able to do this is she saw the real notes that Bart had sent and then she was like oh i can i can do that and then she's going all the way over to the rich side of town and dropping them off at like i just it surprises me how one dimensional she is i would think that Anna Martin would have fun making an antagonist for them
1: yeah and i agree i it doesn't I make sense know. it's like so is her justification for targeting Christy that like Oh, there's a, a boy that also likes Christy, and the the fact that like any boy could like any of those babysitters is just like unconscionable, yeah. and thus all oh, the
0: boys should be mine.
1: Yeah, yeah, like ugh, that's boring. Yeah, and and, and strikes me as implausible. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I think she's. I feel like if this was a movie, I mm-hmm. I think Koki would be jealous of the Babysitters Club friendship. Cause right. she has shitty friends and she has like, a well, bat- she's
0: got lots of friends with weird names, ahead go, go ahead. And she
2: probably <laughs> has there. like, you know, home life probably isn't that great for her. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and she's, she's probably like wishes that she could be part of the group. I think that that's probably mm-hmm. like what would be her motive and like, a, like a John Hughes right, movie or something.
0: But none of that is on the page.
2: It's in, like it's in my imagination evil. as me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but but really, do you, do you have any textual evidence that that is Cokie's motivation?
1: No, also, no. if that were her motivation, she would have like a redemption arc.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Anna Martin loves a redemption arc.
1: I do think whenever Cokie is
2: like confronted with the fact that she's been outed and has done something wrong, her reaction is very like sad and meek and she just like immediately like retreats. You know, that's true. She doesn't really like, you know, she doesn't really like give it to them or anything. She doesn't stand up for herself. Right. But I think that's a prevailing life lesson
0: that was very popular in the 80s and 90s in child psychology. I'm so glad you said this It's not in my notes, but this is relevant because that was our stance on bullying. And that was school stances on bullying. And that was the narrative up until the late 90s, early 2000s was bullies are just insecure, stand up to them, and they'll stop. And so I think Anna Martin is playing that out completely, of like, you know, just don't let them get the best of you, and you stand up to them, and then they'll back down. Whereas actually, more research we have on bullying, that's often not true. And that's why schools have gotten more proactive. And there's different approaches to bullying now, because it turns out, sometimes they don't stop. And there's, you know, some kids are more at risk than other kids. And there's lots more dynamics. It's not simple, just like, just tell them what for son, you know? Um, and so I think this pattern that we've seen with Koki so far reifies that idea, which was again, what every school and every child psychologist was doing in the eighties and Mm nineties. So that actually makes a ton of sense, but
1: I still don't get why she's doing it. Like, I just don't think she's telling us as me. Some girls are just bees, you know, right. That's
0: That's the lesson. You're exactly right. (laughs) The lesson is some girls are just bees Yeah. and I don't like that lesson. I know. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's back to
0: the good girls, bad girls thing, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, so I just find it interesting. Um, anyway, that's that's my beef with Koki. I I want to see more of Koki. Like, if she's going to be a real antagonist, I want that backstory. I want her to show up not just at Halloween. I'll be really curious if she lays dormant until Halloween 3. Um, we'll see. Maybe she's just like a proto-goth girl, and she just likes to come alive at Halloween, and that's the issue. But again, we wouldn't know it from the book. Mm-mm. All right, my my other question for you is, how realistic did you find Bart Taylor's love letters?
1: Deeply unrealistic. (laughs) Yeah, they were
2: pretty cringy. I was like, oh, God, like, these aren't what the boy in the eighth grade would write at all. Okay.
0: Uh, Emily, what, what, why, why did you say deeply unrealistic?
1: I don't know. It just doesn't strike me as something Bart would do, you know?
0: It's not hot enough.
1: This is not hot, no.
0: <laughs> what what kind of uh mystery admirer note would you want Bart to write? Could you write one for us right now?
1: No. Like one that's less cheesy. Also, why does it have to be a mystery? I feel like he could just be like, Christy, I like you. Well, let's go on a no, date. That would
0: be that would be deeply unrealistic. Because <laughs> he's a 13-year-old boy. So like the idea of like this is a thing that 13-year-old boys do, like send the mystery note to tell you that I like you. Totally real. Oh yeah,
1: but it's just like a, um, it's on a piece of paper with a pen, and it's like blah 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 blah. Circle yes if you (laughs) want to. Circle no if not. And then you're like, what? (laughs) Yeah, it's like a choose your hot. No, but it would be more believable. It's like a choose your own adventure mystery admirer situation. You know? Yeah, it would be like Christy. Do you want to go out with me? Yes. Yes or no. no.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's what it would Mm -hmm. be.
0: I I suspected that that was going to be your reaction. I did not find it as unrealistic. Mm. Um, I think I, I don't know that it fit with Bart's character that we've seen so far, but there are definitely like over romantic moony boys who are in the eight, eighth grade and like get romantically obsessive about the girl they like. And often with younger adolescents, especially, they haven't had these feelings before There's lots of hormones going on, sure, but there's also like, what does it mean to have romantic feelings for somebody? And they're often sort of following a script from things that they've seen, books they've read, shows that they've watched. And so if Bart has this idea from like a teen movie or a novel or something that this is like what romantic people do, I could see him acting it out in this way because It's just his first foray into these kind of things. He doesn't know what else to do with those emotions. Mm -hmm. So as someone that works with eighth grade boys and has also done a lot of work with teens in non-clinical settings, I actually didn't think it was that crazy. Hmm. It seemed crazy in the world of the BSC, but it didn't seem totally off base to me. Because he's so
2: new at it. For a 15-year-old boy, totally weird. Mm -hmm. But 13, Mm -hmm. less so. How about the line, "You are as beautiful as a snow-covered mountain"? Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Emily just vomited. I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like Christy would hate that. She likes to ski. She and Claudia.
2: That's true. And Christy
0: clearly doesn't hate it. It's cl- like, no. Christy she likes is very it. Very flattered and very surprised. Bart, Bart wants to ski down, down
2: slope. her
3: slope. Oh.
0: <laughs> now Emily's back on board.
1: <laughs> that was good. Yeah,
0: I just thought it was a it was a good actually a good representation of like a love struck boy fumbling Mm
1: -hmm. and trying
0: to figure out like how can I how can I tell her what do I say how can I express this I've got all these feelings I'm gonna like type it and find stickers like it is super cringy and awkward because eighth grade love is cringy and awkward like I liked that it's cringy as an adult to read it Mm. I think that that's right on the
2: mark. Did you receive any love letters in the eighth grade? I did. But what, what did it say?
0: <laughs> I don't remember exactly what it said, but it was taped to a rose and it was like a little bit crushed. It was on Valentine's Day on my front porch.
2: It didn't yeah. say you were as beautiful as a snow covered mountain. No, it didn't. But it was awkward.
3: <laughs> but
2: you but you liked it though, right?
0: I wasn't sure how I felt at the time because mm-hmm. it was it was from a friend And I had a crush on a different person. Mm -hmm. But then I went on to date that person for a year.
2: Oh, I know So that gave me the
0: rose. Yeah. (laughs) So that person went on to be my first boyfriend. And then I did like it. But at first I was confused. Hmm. But it was awkward. Yeah. I don't know. But I'm not basing. I'm basing this on my developmental psychology information, you guys. (laughs) Not just on my own eighth grade experiences. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. When I was in eighth Um, grade, we had
1: AOL Instant Messenger
0: yeah no this is a piece of binder paper taped to a rose
1: on
2: my doorstep
1: yeah i would have never talked to that person again
2: (laughs) (laughs) i wish aim was around when i was in middle school really yeah
0: i'm very grateful that it was
2: not i loved it (laughs) i think i think i would have thrived more in middle school oh you know i thrived in on internet chat rooms and stuff i know you did yeah
0: I know you did.
2: Anyway, what else you got, Esme? (laughs) Okay,
0: my last thing is not really psychology, but there's a lot of names in this book. (laughs) There's like new boys that are showing up as dates for the Halloween hop. Mallory goes with Ben Hobart, which I figured Emily would also find hot. Stacy goes with some kid named Kelsey Bowman.
2: Wait, Esme, Esme, you you mispronounced Ben's name.
0: Oh, sorry. Mallory goes with Ben Hobart. (laughs) <laughs> and then Stacy goes with Kelsey Bowman and um, Claudia goes with Woody Jefferson, which I felt like was a very unrealistic name for a boy in 1990. What, uh, you know, where do you guys think they're getting these names?
2: Well, I told you, I think it's from Cheers that Anna Martin mm. was inspired by Woody Harrelson and Kelsey Grammer.
0: Because you it- know what that, actually tracks with koki's friends too because Koki has a friend named Bebe.
2: We sold it.
0: Bebe knew her Yeah. Thelith.
2: Yeah. Totally. she's all over. I she's just
0: watching an episode of Cheers and she's like F it, Baby, Woody,
2: yeah. Kelsey. <laughs> Sam. <laughs> uh who else? Did she name all the babysitters characters after Cheers characters? I'll
0: have to do a deep dive. Uh well there's two coaches. There's two coaches in this book.
2: That's true. this will be um extra content on our patreon if you guys are interested
0: oh we should do which cheers character is which babysitter yeah
2: um
1: (laughs) i will not be able to participate in that
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's all i got and what what jumped out for you speaking of aol instant message oh
2: yeah so christy at the end of the book types up this you know whatever like a secret a secret admirer message for um for Cokie, and she types it out on the on the family computer. I was like, oh, this is the yeah, first time first computer. And okay, also let's talk about how many times Christy mentioned Watson was rich in this book.
1: So many oh, times. Was it more than usual? Yeah.
2: So many times he thought she was going to be kidnapped because like
1: Watson oh, was right. a millionaire.
2: <laughs> and then Shannon's like, "Bitch, please,
0: they take his real children. They're smaller and cuter, 100 <laughs> right. percent related to him."
1: Yeah. And Christy's like, "What?" I'm so offended by the suggestion that I am not his real child. It's like, okay.
2: Yeah. They're also like, he's like four and you're 13. Mm -hmm. Um, But so I looked up how much computer would cost in 1990. Did you guys know anyone who had a computer in 1990?
1: I mean, I don't really remember 1990.
0: I don't think so.
1: (laughs) I was like, I was like two yeah.
0: <laughs> Did you I mean your brother was about to graduate from high school. Did you guys get one for we, like senior year we, or not yet? No, we Work had a
2: or? we had a computer. Um okay. he had a Commodore Or cause
0: your because your dad is a
2: computer guy. He had a Commodore yeah. sixty-four. Uh um, yeah. but in nineteen ninety, um computers were expensive. It's like a desktop computer was like thousands of dollars pretty much. Wow. Um in the in like the early days. So how many thousands one, well this this place said what I, my my Google research, which is actually very hard to find an accurate uh, source of like computer prices throughout the years, but there were fourteen different desktop computers in nineteen ninety ranging from like twenty five hundred to four thousand
1: Wow, that's expensive um, in nineteen
2: ninety dollars yeah, in nineteen ninety dollars i mean I remember so my brother. He went to he went to college in nineteen ninety and I remember he bought uh, he bought a an apple and you know one of the first ones, like the little cube thing. Mm -hmm. They were really expensive. Like I think it was like two thousand dollars or something. And that was like that's about
0: eight the the four thousand in nineteen ninety is about eight thousand today.
2: Wow. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. So Watson got that toaster money and he bought a computer. So Anyway, I thought that was interesting.
0: Oh, you know who had a computer in 1990? Our friend Hillary's family.
2: Hmm. I thought you were going we to say Michelle. Yeah,
0: she might have to. <laughs> we didn't do it. I remember wanting to, like, play with Hillary's computer. Like, we would do stuff in, like, the graphics program. Like, we would print stuff out. And it was, like, very exciting that you could print ugly birthday cards. You know? uh, on Print Shop? Yeah, on Print Shop. That's what it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember playing with Print Shop a lot.
2: Yeah. Oh, one other thing I I found out in 1990 was, wait, Emily, do you not know what Print Shop is? No.
0: Why would she? She's two years old in 1990.
2: It was just this, it's like a, it was like a, it was like really cool, first of all. It was was so cool, but it is not at all cool. It might be cool again, though, like the aesthetic of it. (laughs) It's just like a lot of like pixelated graphics and you could like make your own cards and stuff like that. Uh, but also in 1990, the first ever Photoshop came out, like Photoshop 1.0, which that was interesting. Hmm. The other thing I wanted to talk about was in the, was it the World Series game? I don't or if it was the game before that, but Gabby was able to make it to first base. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I wanted to go through scenarios of like how that could happen, especially since Esme has oh. a daughter who is now playing like is it badass at softball so I'm okay there's like a two and a half year old who's playing wiffle ball and she's able first of all even if she hit the ball really far how fast could she run run (laughs) toddle how far could she hit how far can a wiffle ball go i don't know lots, lots of questions yeah, so it's basically, like, what
0: errors would the bashers have had mm-hmm. to make? All of so, them. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, I think the, the writerly hypothesis, to, to I'll borrow your stance, is just that they let her get to first base because she's two and a half, right? So they don't try mm-hmm. to get her out because it's a two and a half year old and they know that they'll get her out before she gets home. I got so a scenario like, for you. The okay.
1: So the ball doesn't roll. Far enough, it goes like in the center between the catcher, the pitcher and third base, and they all run for it at the same time, knock heads, fall on the (laughs) ground, so that like the closest (laughs) next person to get it and field it is the shortstop, the second baseman, or the first baseman himself. Yeah. (laughs) Good call. Emily's explanation
2: was way better (laughs) than yours has me. It's
0: much, way more cinematic, (laughs) and and I think much more plausible.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: i like it nailed it nailed
2: it then we got to talk about how bart is in a band oh my god the
0: biggest reveal of this book emily's literally dancing yeah
2: she's like doing somewhere like slapping bart's booty dance i don't know yeah. <laughs> never wait
0: i think i think we have to reenact when we find this out though
2: okay well while you find that i do want to talk okay. about how when we discover he is in a band very early on in the book. Christy mm-hmm. asks, what do you play? And his- oh, we No,
0: we got it. No, let's do it. Let's let's act it out. It's so good.
2: <laughs> what page is this? All okay. right. Oh, wait. Well, I think page
0: eight. As we
2: should be Christy, and I feel like Emily should be Bart.
0: Totally. That's what I was going to say. Okay. <laughs> I'm so excited. Okay. So you have to start from the My Parents Bug Me part.
3: Um.
1: Oh, Christy says to Bart, how about you? How's everything? Not bad. Kyle gets on my nerves, but I can handle him. My parents bug me, though. They hate it when my band practices in the basement.
0: You have a band? I said in amazement.
1: Yep. What do you play? Guitar, electric, acoustic, any kind. I didn't know that. So have you had any. What are they called? Gigs, supplied Bart. Yeah, a couple. We could get a lot more, though, if we could find a place to practice. No one wants us in their basement. What about
2: a garage?
1: The neighbors complain. Oh okay
2: this is a very realistic exchange i feel very but i like to talk about how he says guitar electric acoustic any kind okay there are only three kinds of guitars there's guitar i mean, sorry there's electric acoustic and classical so when he says like any kind of guitar i was like what
1: well there's a 12 string (laughs) guitar true mm-hmm. so he's i can play any kind of guitar <laughs> that just reminded me of dinner anytime
0: yeah literally anytime <laughs> continue our wet hot american summer um that's another thing we could talk about on the patreon we could go deep into oh that i will do that
2: Emily. Yeah. i'll just yeah, like <laughs> ask questions and be annoying Perfect. so what do we yeah. think <laughs> bart's just like you know normal um so what do we think about bart's band are they decent?
1: No, they suck. Cur- That's accurate. Yes. I,
2: I I mean, they probably suck
0: some, but I also think, you know, Bart is lives in the rich neighborhood. He could have had lots of music lessons from a young age. Like he certainly probably has nice equipment. Right? <laughs> so he's like a private school boy. Oh god. Musical <laughs> equipment, you bitches? <laughs> amplifiers and pedals and stuff. Ew, yeah. it's
2: hot. <laughs> I <bet> he really <laughs> handles his axe, doesn't he? <laughs> You're
0: talking about a child. You're talking about a child who's still... Oh, no. Anyway, I won't. Okay. Um, no, but really though, right? So he has... Uh, now that doesn't... Not that that makes a good band, mm-hmm. but it's at least like he has the musical instruments and assorted accessories. And he maybe has actual musical training.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's. I think that's correct. He has more. He has more opportunities to have explored his musical interests.
1: He right. does seem to be involved in a lot of activities, though. So maybe he's not giving over all that much time to his mm-hmm. yeah. cultivating but his I, musical talents.
0: Right, but I also think we have a, we have. What I think, Emily, part of what you find hot and what all of us like about Bart is that he has an air of competence about him. Like he can like do things and accomplish things, you mm-hmm, know, like yeah. he has the bashers, he has, I think that's what Christy likes too. Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised if like it, you know, he can clearly organize things, right? He leads the bashers. <laughs> like that's an like, you're laughing at no, That's an essential part funny. of having a no. band.
2: No, I do think it's funny that like, you're like, Women like competent men, yeah. <laughs> men who do things, who can organize things.
3: True. <laughs> All true.
1: Women like organized men. <laughs> I,
2: I
0: said competent, not organized. <laughs> like, but anyway, I do. I, I think that's true. So I don't think they're I don't think they're terrible. I think they're, you know, they're 13 year olds, but I think they're probably pretty good for 13 year olds. So he's not the
2: singer because he would have said I'm the singer right mm-hmm. right,
0: yeah singers want to tell you that they're the singer all the time
2: right what do you what kind of music do you think it is it is 1990 now so his musical influences probably would be in the last few years i would say do so you think it's a new wave band i don't know i she gave us no clues really i mean he did want yeah. to dress up as lobsters yeah
0: so you think it's like devo yeah devo or b52s <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, wasn't your initial oh, response to guitar, electric, acoustic, any kind? Ugh, that sounds like ska.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I read it first. It's like, I play any kind of instrument. And then yeah. I was oh. like, oh, he's a multi instrumentalist. That means he's, he's that in, means a ska band. He's, in, he's <laughs> like, play like trombone, sax, uh, trumpet, bass. Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: That would be a ska band, but I don't think with just guitar, any kind, we have any evidence. With for a ska any, band.
2: Kind of <laughs> any kind of guitar, could be any
0: kind of guitar, could be almost anything. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I really, w- I want to know what they what they sing about. Like, I want to want to know what the song. Do they do original
1: think. songs? Oh, I think they do. Oh, whoa, yeah. God, those are bad. Yeah. Okay,
0: <laughs> what do you think Bart would write a song about?
1: Well, in this book, obviously, Christie. <laughs> yeah.
3: She's got the roster for the rival team, she's got a great idea, yeah she's got a dream, she's got a collie on her hat, she's got a jersey and a bat, she's got a head full of steam, she's got the kids running round, she's got David Michael Thomas on the mound, she's got fouls and strikes, she's got brewers and pikes, she's got her feet on the ground She'll be so lonely if it's only a game Is she hearing when I'm cheering her name? Kristen Amanda Kristen Amanda She's got a whistle at her neck She's got Buddy Barrett on deck She's got her sneakers and her gloves She's got everything I love She's got me shaking like a nervous wreck She'll be so lonely if it's only a game Is she hearing when I'm cheering her name? Kristen Amanda Kristen Amanda
2: things i feel like anna martin's getting really stale with all her references like how many <laughs> okay. times can you reference wizard of oz and,
0: and endlessly the three and, and endlessly oh yeah. yeah the three stooges the cheerleaders for the crushers dress up for halloween as the three stooges this strikes me as completely implausible on like 30 levels
2: yeah why <laughs>
0: why, why would they do that
2: yeah, she's stuck in a rut. She can't get out of it.
0: I mean, d- did you know any nine-year-old girls in the '80s or early '90s and that were big Stooges fans? Do you know any women at all that No. three Stooges fans? <laughs> like, I don't think I've ever met one of any age.
2: No, I I can't. I don't. I can't even watch more than like thirty seconds of it until I'm just like, I don't get it. And Mike is
1: like, Oh, this is hilarious.
2: I, can I watch think this we've all talked night. about
1: this on the show before. Am <laughs> we really? Yeah, I just remember that <laughs> exact anecdote. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure.
2: I okay. think I think all we right. have talked about it before. All right, what candy did Claudia have? Well, there is really only one. A couple mentions of junk food. It was potato chips and gummy bears.
1: Mm, I like both of those things. What about Tally's? Yeah,
2: they are yummy. So, uh, you know, <clears throat> if
0: we count individualist. As individual. We uh, should not. They do not
1: mean the same thing.
0: Uh, okay, fair enough. Just one then. One shy, one sensitive, two
1: sophisticated,
0: one bossy, and again, exotic. Back again, she's exotic's having a renaissance. Um, and then I started counting the psychos in my social justice warrior section, which has been better lately. Um, and I stopped counting because there were more than 10 mentions of Psycho. <laughs> um in addition we have insane asylum we have twisted we have crazy and we have a lunatic none of which are winning any awards from the national alliance for the mentally ill um and then i put a question mark with hobo is hobo hobo doesn't seem like a word we use anymore i don't know if it's just old-fashioned or if it's offensive
1: um probably a little bit of both yeah mm-hmm. so
0: you know christy's not up on her inclusive language
1: i'll leave mm-hmm. it there what was your favorite weirdest line?
0: I really liked that Christy commented that they have a very accurate paper girl.
1: Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I forgot that I made a note of that she makes a makes a point to say she that a paper girl.
0: So that was. I had a couple others. Um, Stacy Stacy called Cokie a sewer rat. Mm-hmm, I like um, that. And Christy said when she gets mad she uses New York terms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was funny. Um. And then we already talked about Barbie's head fell off. That was another one.
1: I like Barbie's head fell off. I think that would be a good episode title. Um, I thought it was really funny that uh, in the opening page of chapter nine, Christy um, Shannon Christy tells Shannon her lunatic theory, and then Shannon's like, "What if Bart's like trying to psych you out for the World Series?" And then she says, "I was incensed, but like usually." I feel like when Anna Martin has them use words like that in their narration, she does like a parenthetical that's like, I just learned that word. It means mad or whatever. And there's not one here, which I thought was kind of interesting. It's not a good episode title, but I just wanted wanted to note that Christy was incensed and did not feel the need to explain what incensed means. Uh, we didn't talk about distant.
2: Oh,
0: distant. All of a sudden coming in like a yeah. ton of bricks. Yeah, we're going to start seeing the weird BSC specific slang. They introduced fresh a couple books ago, mm-hmm. which was was real slang at this mm-hmm. time. It was mm-hmm. not just in Stony Brook, Connecticut. We definitely said fresh in 1990. Fresh is coming but back
1: it, to describe sneakers. No. Mm-hmm. No, That's
0: true. Okay. Fair enough. But Christie's I feel like Christie's really trying to make distant happen.
2: Like yes, that. Shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, do you guys think that? they're really using it that much or do you think this is really Christy trying to like make it clutch onto a trendy thing
1: I think they're using it well I mean the other
2: the other babysitters were saying it Mm -hmm. it's used a lot in in this book Um, but my my favorite line was I need starch
0: (laughs) always with the food who says I need starch
2: Um, it is David Michael before the game
0: (laughs) listeners might think that Anne doesn't get fed i'm like <laughs> she's just like let's bring up the food um i like very accurate paper girl
1: i think we should do barbie's head fell off by oh, the tiebreaker yes yeah. uh well um... you can propose a
0: third thing and we can just sit here and
1: <laughs> well, let me think Forever.
2: let me think it's gonna say christy's mystery admirer barbie's head fell off yeah let's go with that because <laughs> <laughs> she said it first. Yeah, it was a test, and you failed. You didn't care enough.
0: <laughs> Emily spoke
2: up. Yeah.
0: I always get screwed when I tried to be appropriately <laughs> femininely deferential. Yeah, duh, don't it do it. Me. <laughs> well, I never do. That's why I try sometimes. All right, what should we pizza toast
1: to? What if we pizza toast stretchery? to a very accurate paper girl? Yeah, oh, there what you go. Pizza toast to. No. Here Paper I girl's pity. everywhere. <laughs> Paper girl's dead. You killed her. Like,
3: like, wow. wow.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, we can. Uh, oh, I would like to pizza toast to their lobster costumes.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. yeah. This I like had, that.
0: This sent Bart up like 10, ten notches for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like going I to a school dance that's not even his. And he's like, yo, Christy, I found these lobster costumes. Like adorable.
2: Mm-hmm. I did like that. Great, let's okay.
0: do it. Fantastic. A pizza toast to Bart and Christie's lobster costumes. To Bart and Bart Christie's, Christie's lobster, lobster costumes. costumes.
2: This episode of Stuck in Stony Brook is now adjourned.
1: Thank you to Anna Martin for everything. Stuck in Stony Brook is edited by Emily Crandall. Theme song written and recorded by Gary Schaller, performed by the band Kid Kit. You can follow us on Instagram at Stuck in Stony Brook or find us on our website, stuckinstonybrook.com. Need some books that we mentioned? Buy them from our bookshop and support both a local independent bookstore and your favorite series literature analysis podcast. Find us at bookshop.org slash shop slash stuck in Stony Brook. Lastly, if you're feeling deeply generous and you want to rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be super helpful. You're the best friends a girl could ask for.